Once I started rocking my gift, all these doors started opening. So that whole idea of your gifts will make room for you, that's my testimony through and through. My gifts have absolutely made room for me, put me in rooms with giants and opened doors I didn't even know existed. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with award-winning author and speaker, Lovey Ajayi. She's here to teach us how to rock our gifts, ladies. So get ready. Hey there, this is Patrice from PatriceWashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Super excited because we're back for more of the You Deserve More series here at Redefining Wealth. If you are new here, then welcome. You are in for a treat. I have had this woman on the short list of guests that I really, really, really wanted um, from the very, very beginning of even coming up with the podcast idea for Redefining Wealth. And I saved her. I saved my ask for such a time as this because this is the month where we not only acknowledge Financial Literacy Month, but my contribution has always been towards not always talking about the restrictions um, and the deprivation from cutting things, cutting spending, cutting hair, cutting nails. I've always looked at more than the outgo, what is the income? Because I've always believed in abundance. And I haven't been one of those people who's like, let's spend 10 hours on a Sunday cutting coupons. I'm like, let's spend 10 hours focused on our gifts. Because once we get really clear about what those are and how to monetize them, sky's the limit. And so when I created the Earn More Money movement a few years back, it was in response. It is in response to Women's Equal Pay Day. And for those of you who are not familiar with Women's Equal Pay Day, that was on April 10th. And it basically signifies the day and the year when the average woman finally makes what her male counterpart made December 31st, the year before. And that's a problem. That is a problem. That means essentially, ladies, you're working an extra three months to get the same amount of money in a year that your male counterpart gets. And I know that industries need to change. I know that legislation needs to change. I know that there's a lot of things that need to change. But I also have always believed that we need to do our parts because that's how we take our power back. When we can stand up and say enough is enough, and this is what I'm personally going to do to impact my personal economy, then that's when real change, I believe, starts to shift. And I want us to be the true writers of our destiny. I really do. And so in the Earn More Money movement, which you can find at IWillEarnMore.com, we have five principles in particular that we really, really focus on. The first is about facing your fears. We talked about that last week with Doreen Rainey, who was phenomenal. Then there's rock your gifts, establish your value, negotiate like a ninja, and maximize your money maker. And so this month on the podcast, the series is all about you deserve more. And I really wanted to invite women who I feel embody these principles in their daily work. Just from watching them online or from knowing several of them in person, I wanted to really showcase women who it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to do this stuff, but it's necessary. 
And so today we're talking about Rock Your Gifts with Lovey Ajayi, who I have admired for years. And she's blown up considerably in the last year and a half or two years. She has been out here doing the work and owning her gifts for some time now. You're going to love this interview because she really shares that it's a journey. And I know that sometimes it's hard to embrace the gifts because they come easily to us. And so we take them for granted. So I want you to hear Lovey's story and how she's evolved and how she's really emerged as a leader in this space. Um, Lots of great, great takeaways. So I'm not going to keep you from it. I'll be back on the backside so we can talk a little bit more about it. But get ready, get ready and take some notes. This might be one that you have to listen to a few times. Lovey Ajayi is an award-winning author, speaker, and digital strategist who thrives at the intersection of comedy, technology, and activism. Her debut book, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual, was an instant New York Times bestseller. The 15-year blogging veteran uses her blog, awesomelylovey.com, to cover all things pop culture with razor-sharp commentary and wit. And she recently launched a podcast called Rants and Randomness, where she shares her most pressing rants, raves and faves while interviewing some of the most interesting people, you know, she has interviewed bosses like Oprah Winfrey, Shonda Rhimes and much more. And she was even selected to Oprah Winfrey's inaugural Super Soul 100 list. So we are in for a treat right now. Without further ado, here's Lovey. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Lovey. I'm glad to be here. Now, you don't understand. You have been on the short list from the day that I knew that I was starting a podcast. You were on that very short list of like, (laughs) that I was like, I have to get. But I said, first, let me make sure I'm going to do this for real, for real, before I start asking people to just come on the show. Let me just make sure I'm in it. But I'm in it now. I love it. I love doing the podcast and I love watching you just soar and grow. And I have to tell the, the story about when I actually got to meet you in person. So I have been a stalker of yours for like <laughs> before. And I remember I met you in Atlanta at the Dream Conference. Yeah. Like yep. a few years ago, Pastor John Gray was there and the, the woman I remember. Was Magic Johnson. Shout out to all those people. I love them to pieces. But when I saw you, I was like, oh, this is my best friend. Huh? <laughs> I remember us meeting. It was at the opening party, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, was so mm-hmm. I need to post that picture. I looked real super cheesy and just too excited. I was super Girl, excited. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, but it's been a pleasure to watch you grow and just do your thing over these years. I'm one of those people just been cheering on the sidelines. So every time I see you, I always have two thoughts, lovey. One is like, yes. Every time I see you do something, that's the sound I make in my head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Girl. And then the second thought is I'm Nigerian and nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> I feel deep in my bones that I'm actually Nigerian. You know, come on, Kazo, we'll claim you. We, we like to claim people who who are doing dope things and you are doing dope things. So we would totally claim you. Look, I've been telling Tiffany, the budgetista, I'm like, Tiffany, tell them to let me in. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm people in Europe, but I'm in here. I believe it. So anyway, <laughs> so I'm super geeked to have you on. So I remember the first time I read, I'm judging you. 
Yeah. I think to Chicago to tape the Steve Harvey show. And when I tell you I cackled from Cali to Chicago, <laughs> like the dude next to me was finally like, what What are you reading? What? What is that? And I had to share with him because, you know, when you're trying to be quiet, but that shoulder shakes and you yes. just. Yes. Yes. So you've been a big deal to me for a minute, but ever since I'm judging you, which I guess has been out, what, a couple years now? 2016? Yeah, my book came out September 2016, so a year and a half. Oh my gosh. Yeah, a year and a, it's only been a year and a half. So yeah. super big deal on the internet to super big deal in real life. So I have to ask you a question. Have you taken on any of those personas that you talk about in the book? You know, the internet stars? People no. You're not the number dropper, lovey? I am hyper aware about not being that person. Like, I never want to be the person who my friends are like, here she come again, thinking she a big deal. Like, <laughs> I do not ever want to be that person to the point where, like, I introduce myself to people even after they're like, oh, so good to finally meet you. I'd be like, oh, well, my name is Lovey. And they're like, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, look, I can't be out here assuming anybody knows me. Uh-uh, no. Yeah. Well, because that's what the mismatched do, right? Or like there's one, right. people, but the mismatched are people who show up one way online and then you meet them in person and you're super disappointed. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of people who are wild online. I'm talking caps, 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 going in on people, a voice. There are huge voices. And then you meet them in person and they're complete wallflowers. Now that's different. Like I'm not saying everybody who's hype online, you meet them and they'll be high-fiving you and jumping off a chair. <laughs> People create new personalities for the internet. And like my nightmares, if somebody's like, man, she was nothing like that. Yeah. That's what I always say too. I never want someone to meet me in person and go, wow, you seem nice online, but you're nasty in person. That's just me personally. Like I just, <laughs> you know, I, I always say I want to be the same on stage as, I'm, as I am off stage, as I am on camera, off camera, whatever, because that's what makes you who you are. Like you, you want to be relatable and cool and just who you really are, whatever it is, just be who you are on and off. Well, you know, I agree. And like somebody was actually recently tweeting about this, about like how sometimes influencers do carry these dual personalities, but in the same token, don't expect the person you see online who's live all the time to also be trying to entertain you in person, right? Because <laughs> people get tired, right? <laughs> like folks might get off flights and all of that good stuff. But yeah, it's a balance, right? It's a balance. Like I think in totality, we need to make sure we're being exactly who we are in real life and on. I mean, I really credit that to the success that I have had, though, is being authentic. It's like whatever it is, just be you for real. And even if you're not feeling like your internet self, there's a way to portray that too. Like, girl, you know, I'm tired today, but thank you. So yes, that's it. <laughs> that's what happens. Like, because a lot of times now we all travel like fools. We all gallivanting and getting on flights every other day, and it's exhausting. Yeah. So, like, when somebody catches you at like six a.m. at the airport, you're probably not gonna be at your most chipper. <laughs> so, I have no problem being like, "Yeah, girl, we can totally take a selfie," but I'm tired, so uh, I'm gonna put these sunglasses on because <laughs> I look like who done it and why. So, just honestly being real in that. Let people know where you are. Yeah. I love that you said internet flame is flimsy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Internet famous flimsy. Well, lovey, the name of this series that you're on in particular is called You Deserve More. And I guess to shine a light on women's equal pay day, which is really important to me as a personal finance Mm -hmm. expert. Because as much as I believe that big businesses need to do better and bosses and employers and everyone needs to do better, we do as well. I launched something called the Earn More Money Movement a few years ago. And one of the areas that we focus on is rocking your gifts. And I invited you on specifically because when I think about a woman who is out here just rocking her gifts unapologetically, you always come top of mind for me. Uh, oh, wow. Always do. Just the other day, you posted about being at Microsoft. And then behind you, there's like a slide that says Black Cool is Abundant. And I'm like, yeah. I yes. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped back in that. And so I really want to ask you for the audience. How did you become comfortable with rocking your gifts? It's a journey. So I started blogging in 2003 when I was in college, back when blogging didn't come with any expectations. Nobody really thought about it as anything but playing on the internet. There were like, at that point, there were only maybe a handful of people who were making real money online. So it was actually a gift for me not to think about it as anything but a hobby because it gave me the freedom to write in the way that was most clear to me and in the most in the way that was most authentic because sometimes if we start writing or start doing whatever the thing we do with the idea that people are watching it might change how we approach it so for me i was writing in the way that was i didn't know if anybody was reading I didn't even think it was important for anybody to be reading. I was just writing because I felt like it. But calling myself a writer took a while because I didn't see myself as a writer in the vein of like people like the Toni Morrisons and the J.K. Rowland. So I kind of fought it to the nails, the idea of being a writer, because I didn't see a version of it. But it took me, yeah, nine years after I started blogging to actually call myself a writer and embrace my gift after I couldn't deny it any longer, I had to finally be like, you know what? You do have this thing that a lot of people don't have, which is the ability to write in a way that connects with people. It makes them think, it makes them laugh. They get to see what you see in the world in the way that you see it when you put it on paper. So yeah, that is a gift. And I think once I started rocking my gift, all these doors started opening. So that whole idea of your gifts will will make room for you. Yo, like that's my testimony through and through. My gifts have absolutely made room for me, put me in rooms with giants and opened doors I didn't even know existed. Yeah. But what was like the defining moment though, where you were like, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. It wasn't one moment. It took me a while. Again, I'm stubborn. I'm ridiculous. I was doing marketing and digital communications. That's what my professional background is on. So I thought that was what I'm supposed to be doing strictly. Not understanding. You're supposed to be doing that and more. But I think 2012 is when I finally said I'm a writer. And it wasn't a moment as much as the totality of the year. And kind of me reflecting on my journey that had me be like, okay, girl, you're a writer. In 2012, I got to do press coverage at the Academy Awards on the red carpet and backstage. Most people who do press at the Academy Awards get access to the red carpet and they have to go home after that. I got access and I got to go backstage, which is huge. And a lot of these outlets are like million dollar ones. And here I am, awesomely lovey, in this room. And then that same year, scandal started. My blog kind of blew up from there. 
And then I just realized, you know what? You've been doing this thing for nine years. More and more people are loving it. People tell you every day how their words impact them. Who are you to keep denying this? You are a writer. Who are you to keep denying this? I think that's what happens to so many of us when we finally embrace our gifts. Because for so long, we take it for granted because it comes to us naturally. Yes. Oh, everybody does this. Anybody. Yes. And then you're like, wait a minute. That's not true. That's exactly what I thought. Here's the thing. Human nature is so used to struggle. We're so used to having to fight for everything that the things that come easy to us, we question. We'll be like, hmm, that's too easy. So that can't be it. That thing that we're really good at that feels too easy, that's our gift because it's easy because it's the gift. (laughs) That's why it's like come to you without struggle because it's the gift that God gave you. So you kind of have to own it. And we, we will fight it to the nails. It's the thing you do with the least amount of effort, right? The thing that you do the best with the yeah. least amount of effort just flows out of you. Yep. It's like why painters can paint. They can't necessarily teach you how to become a, a great painter, but that's the gift they have. I can't paint. There's a lot of things I can't do that others can do seamlessly. That thing is their gift. When I was a kid, I was really frustrated. I remember doing a debutante at like 13 The thought of being in this debutante and trying to find a talent, right? Because I was like, I don't dance. I don't sing. I took piano lessons, but I don't play particularly well. You know, like, what am Mm -hmm. I supposed to do? And I ended up doing a speech and I got a standing ovation. And Mm. it took me years to realize that that came naturally to me. Getting on a stage and speaking to people and motivating, inspiring them, whatever, like that came naturally. But because it didn't look like dribbling mm-hmm. or playing or, you know, I just, didn't and I didn't have anyone around me to, to show me Absolutely. that that was it. It took years to embrace that. You know, I got in trouble for talking all the time in school, been talking forever, but I never could have seen a career where you get paid to just talk. Yes. Right. It's one of those things. Again, we don't see it coming. You know, same, same as when I started speaking, I didn't really think it was anything special. And then people will say like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about things in that way. So I realized that my gift is not just the writing piece. It's the ability to pass on ideas, big ideas in small bites and it connects. So whether it's in writing or speaking, both of them, I have to honor it. Right. And you did honor your speaking gift with this TED Talk. I watched your TED Talk. Now you're almost at 2 million views. So congrats on that. Your TED Talk amazing. I'll make sure that I link to it in the show notes. And I'm responsible for at least 17 (laughs) of those views. I love it. (laughs) I really did. I loved it. And I loved in the TED Talk where you talked about being the domino Mm -hmm. um, and basically using your gifts, speaking and writing um, to really speak up and do the things that are difficult, get comfortable doing some uncomfortable things. So can you kind of talk about what it means to be the domino? So my TED Talk which is called getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I wanted to kind of shake people out of their idea of comfort as a way of life and realizing that we don't have the, we can't afford comfort essentially if we want to make the world better. So I use the idea of being a domino because I always think about when I want to write about something that feels tough that I'm like, Ooh, am I sure I want to say this? Am I sure I kind of want to take this hit if it's something that's not a simple statement that might generate controversy. And then I think about like dominoes when you see a stack of dominoes, like when they're lined up, 
what makes all of them fall? One has to fall first, which then makes the other ones fall. And using that as an analogy to how we approach life and how we approach being change agents and professional troublemakers and, and loudmouths for, for good, we have to challenge ourselves to constantly be the domino, to constantly be the person who decides to step out when everybody else is being quiet. Because a lot of times we just need that one person because that one person will inspire others to also step out and be like, you know what, I'm going to say something. You know, I loved um, during the TED Talk, you said being the domino doesn't mean that you're fearless. Yeah. And I think that's where we get get it twisted, especially, you know, with this whole earn more money thing. For me, one of the things that I know from working with so many women is that, yes, they want more. Yes, they know they need to earn more to pay student loans or to do whatever it is they need to do. But they always say, well, I'm not strong enough or I'm not, you're fearless. And I'm like, no, I'm not fearless. I, there's fear. I just feel like I don't have a choice but to keep pushing forward. So talk a little bit about that. Like the domino doesn't mean that you're fearless. You still have fears, right? Yeah, that's important because we want to make sure people know that feeling fear is not your problem. People might feel somehow othered or... Maybe I'm not doing enough because I am feeling scared. It's okay to feel scared. It's absolutely okay to feel scared. But what happens is those of us who are shaking the table a little bit, it's not that we're not scared. We're act- petrified. But what we're doing <laughs> is being like, all right, I know this scares me. I know this might have consequences, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's that important. So it's the idea of not letting the fear be the thing that stops you, right? You just kind of push past it. Yeah, there's a quote, and I'm judging you, where you say, when our voices shake, that's when the words need to be heard the most. I love that. When our voices shake, that's when the words need to be heard the most. So, Lovey, I can only imagine then you had your your run-in with kind of being the domino to talk about the gender pay gap in the conference industry. Yeah. Speaking. I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but that was kind of a big shakeup. Yeah, like was. there were there was a lot going on around yeah. that. Can you kind of talk about that experience? So as a professional speaker, I've been on stages for the last seven or eight years doing this thing, talking about branding, blogging, entrepreneurship, race, just a variety of topics. And also I'm in tech. I basically dabble in like multiple industries at the same time. So each talk that I give is completely different from the last. So last year I get an email from a conference in Amsterdam, a tech conference in Amsterdam. And they said they wouldn't have me come speak. So my manager replies back to them to talk about fee and, you know, handling my accommodations. And they reply back that they don't cover one, they don't have an honorarium for me. And two, I will have to cover my own travel and accommodations. Essentially, I will be going to Amsterdam on my own dime to speak at this conference. So I'm a part of a network of women, like top women in business and media and tech. And I just sent an email out that was like, hey, you guys, I was asked to speak at this conference. Have anybody been asked to speak? They said they, have, they don't have any budget and I'd have to pay my own way, which Already, I do not do that often. Like, I only do that if I need to, like, donate my time to, like, a nonprofit. And I'm, like, coming down my pocket because I believe so much in their mission and that they don't have money that I will sometimes will donate my time for that. 
but this was not a nonprofit. This was a conference that brings in something like 15 million euros a year. Hmm. Yeah. So within 15 minutes, people on the list had sent me emails like, oh, I spoke there last year. They paid my way. Oh, they bought my books. Oh, I know somebody who spoke there who actually got their stuff compensated. So I realized the pattern was like this conference was basically paying people by hierarchy. White men who got who went were paid or at least had their books bought in bought and their travel paid for. White women had their travel paid for and black women were being asked to pay their way to speak there. So I was like, yep, that's not going to work. So I brought it up on Twitter. I didn't even mention the conference name because it was clearly larger than them because this pay gap thing is bigger than just one summit. It's something that is across the board, across multiple industries. Well, people figured out what conference it was. And somebody who writes for Forbes was like, hey, I would love to write a piece on this pay gap thing, especially on this particular incident. Would you like to go on record? And I was like, whew, if I go on record, will this hurt my pockets if other people invite, you know, are afraid to invite me to speak. But I was like, you know what? I have to speak up about this because I mean, the level of disparity is ridiculous. So yeah, end up writing a Forbes piece about it. After the Forbes piece came out, I guess the ego of the conference organizers were bruised because they sent an email to me and the Forbes reporter to defend themselves by saying that maybe if it was in a more urban demographic, I could command my fee. Mm. And I was like, wow, talk about a dog whistle email. It was super like, well, you know, essentially kind of being like, yeah, we pay some people, but she's not one we would pay since. So I'm in my head like, wait, y'all came to me. Right. And also, if I needed exposure, you wouldn't be coming to me because you wouldn't know me. My exposure is what already let me let you know who I was as a speaker and as an influencer, as a thought leader. So don't do the dog whistle thing. So essentially they got publicly embarrassed because they really kind of helped the conversation move forward because they showed the ideas behind people's heads when they don't want to pay black women. Like he literally thought and said to me in an email that I couldn't command my fee because Amsterdam is not an urban demographic, which is essentially being like, well, ain't going to be no black people there. So we can't, we're not going to pay you like, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, this is ridiculous. You're not paying me for a color. You're paying me for the knowledge that I'm about to drop. That I bring, right. So it was interesting. It uh, Some speakers actually pulled out of the conference as wow. a result of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was one of those times where I was like, all right, this is why we have to use our voices. Because again, I've been speaking for a long time. I was like, okay, I'm in the position where I can take a few hits if it means somebody else does not have to take this type of a hit. I can take a few hits. If, I, if it's a couple more spe- less speaking engagements, fine. I'm going to have to deal with that. But it's important to do it. So I didn't take any hits. I mean, last year was actually my most profitable year as a speaker. I had 50 speaking engagements. So it was one of those times where we also have to realize that the thing that we are afraid of is sometimes not even as big as we thought it was. It was. Yeah. It's not. I always look at things kind of like, what's the worst case scenario is one thing I always consider. And sometimes if the worst case scenario to your point is, okay, there's a few people who might be like, ah, she's trouble, whatever. Like, okay, I can deal with that. If the bigger picture is, you're not going to do us this way. (laughs) So I can take a hit if that's what it is. But 
often I really feel like when we stand in our truth, it's always so much sweeter on the other side. It's always better on the other side. You have to go through a little something, but it's always worth it. Yep. 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 I think again, and I always say that those of us who have some type of power, we have to kind of understand what our power is. I might be a black woman, but I do have power in certain spaces because I'm at such a level in my career that I can speak up in ways that other people cannot. I can stand in the gap for people who can't stand up themselves because they don't have the positioning for it. So in those times, yeah, I think it is worth taking a hit to be like, all right, I'm going to say it because somebody else can't. It's the same way if you like the VP at a company, you might be a black VP, but an intern who can't speak up for themselves, you might want to speak up for that intern because they can't use their voice in that way. They have more to lose. Yeah. I love in the book that you talk a lot about the responsibility of having a platform Yeah, and how it kind of started the day that your mom took your favorite doll away from you. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first day you hit a wall slide, if I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. So I would love for you to just share that story and the lesson that you learned from that, because one of the things that I love that you talk about is that a lot of us think that giving back is an option instead of an obligation. And whether you are the intern or the VP, we still all have an obligation to do what we can do. Correct. So kind of unpack that for us. I just remember this moment when I was like three and I had this doll that I loved. I mean, I loved it because it looked like a real baby. It was kind of weird in that it looked so real. And it was, yeah, it was just my favorite thing. And I remember we had some visitors. The person's daughter was like similar to my age and she wanted to play with my doll. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Nope. (laughs) I was like, nah, son. And then, you know, when they were about to leave, my mom takes my doll out of my hand and gives it to the girl. And I was like, what? No. And I tried to take it back. And my mom was like, no, it's hers now because we're going to give her the doll. And I flip out like (laughs) tantrum, wall slide. I was not happy because this is my favorite thing. And after they left, my mom was like, they don't have as much as we do. Like you can give up something that's yours because it might mean the world to her. And I was over here. Three-year-old me was not having that explanation. I was like, oh, that's cute. But no, you gave my doll away. <laughs> but I, I, I think back to it and I realized that was a moment of my mom teaching me a lesson of like, you know, when you have more things. I have other toys. This was just, this just happened to be my favorite toy. And it was just the lesson of if you have an abundance of something, give it to somebody who doesn't have enough of it. And I remember this moment because I was like, oh, even in my tears, I was still like, okay, fine. That's good point. But I still want my doll back. (laughs) But I think about it and I'm like, I probably didn't cry about that doll for more than a day. Losing that thing that I thought was my favorite thing did not kill me. (laughs) Like, I'm all right. And who knows what that thing did mean to that little girl. So, yeah, I recall that as kind of like the larger message of what she's taught me and what I kind of carry with me is that we need to hoard less things to ourselves and pass it around. Because if we did that, the wealth gap in the world would be way less ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. If we all gave from our abundance instead of trying to hoard. We live in a very me, 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 me society. 
And one of the things that we talk a lot about at Redefining Wealth, one of our pillars are the people pillar, and it's about creating relationships that matter. And I remember listening to your podcast, your episode with my leak early on. And so one of the things, which is what prompted me actually to reach out to you, because like I was saying, we live in such a me, 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 me society, right? Where people are always sliding in your mm-hmm. DMs to ask, but they never like to ask for something, but there's never any giving. There's never like, a, mm-hmm. hey, I support you. Like, I never see a like, I never see a comment. I never see a congratulations. I never see but then when you want mm-hmm. something, you appear and you set mm-hmm. on that like, hey, we need some DM etiquette. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it just speaks to that whole thing about I don't have a problem with giving, but I don't like takers. Yeah. Like I get. Yeah. But you're just not going to slide through and take and make withdrawals and you've never made a deposit. Not a not a nothing. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I literally said, like, you can't withdraw from an account you haven't deposited into. And I find that the conversation I had with my lead, her and I talk all the time, especially about like business and about just how we make sure we're constantly given. I think people are so me, me, me now that it's such a turnoff. And I mean it in the way that's like basic, right? Like people don't don't think about social media as just a tool. You're supposed to behave in real life. Every single day I get a message from somebody who I've never gotten a message from before who's asking me to do them some type of favor. So there's one in my DMs right now who's like, hey, So I have this event coming up. Would you mind sharing it on your platforms? Mind you, I've never heard from this person ever. I don't know who they are. I don't know their name. I don't know where they're from. And their first message to me is to ask me to amplify something of theirs, something a very completely selfish ask. And all I'm saying is people need to stop doing that. Like stop it across the board. If you've never sent somebody a message before, It's like finding somebody you've never met on the street and saying, hey, can you help me promote my CD that just dropped? Like somebody you've never seen before met and you just walk up to them and say, hey, can you give me four dollars for this T-shirt that I'm wearing? Not going to happen. There's a way to do it, though. I, I would much rather someone say, hey, here's my book. I would love for you to read my book. I think it aligns with what you talk about. You might find it interesting. And if you like it, you know, if you would share on your Insta story or something. Like to me, that's so much more reasonable. But I get people in the DM that's like, hey, pass my script on to Steve Harvey. What? Oh, my God. You know what? That's the thing. It's again, if you're in the street, how would you engage with somebody? So let's say I see you in the street, Patrice, and I don't know you. And I was like, oh, she's a black girl. Maybe she'd like my podcast. What I would do is I'd walk up to you and say, hey, my name is Lovey. It's really nice to meet you. Do you have a couple of minutes? And if you're like, yeah, I do. I'll say, okay. So I have this podcast called Rants and Randomness. I talk about the things that I'm loving, the things that I'm side-eyeing, and I have interesting conversations with people. You're a black girl. I'm a black girl. And I think this podcast would actually be something you would love. Would you mind listening to it? That's how I would approach a perfect stranger on the street. One, I ask them if they have time. I introduce myself. I tell them what it is that I am promoting. And I tell them why it might actually be helpful. That is the exact same approach I would use if I had to inbox you and I didn't know you. I'd say, hey, Patrice, I follow your work. I think you're brilliant. I think your work in um, finance is like impactful. I have this podcast. It's the exact same thing. It's just in a different tool. 
Well, you know what, though? Even if I know you, even like, I mean, I've met you before. I know we know people in common. I've seen you at Essence Festival in different places. I still was, let me go to her site. Let me send it the way anybody would send it. And then I'm going to follow up with a DM. (laughs) And then I'm still going to say, here's what I'm doing. Here's why I think it's important. Here's why you're a good fit. Like, I just don't believe in taking people for granted. And that's why I said yes, because here's the thing. It comes across. Your intention came across. The way you did it came across. You sent me a proper email. And then when I hadn't replied back because my email is in shambles, you DM me. And I was like, bad. The way you approached it, you made it hard for me to say no. And that's what people need to understand. Make it hard for people to say no. And that's that's what me and my league were talking about on that episode. We were like, yo. It's how I even talked to my league when I got on my league's podcast because hers is also amazing. See, there's all these black girls with dope podcasts. (laughs) How I even got to be a guest was when my book was coming out and I tell the story in the episode because I I totally was like, I deboed my way onto my league's podcast. When my book was coming out, I was like, yo, I need my friends to help me promote this book. I can give them something interesting by just being myself on their platform. So my league was like, yo, can I be on your podcast? Because I got this thing. My league was like, lovey, I don't even interview people for my podcast, I don't even know how to do it. I said, bet you can start interviewing by starting with me. (laughs) And I was like, you can use Zencaster. I even gave her the tool. I was like, you can use Zencaster to interview me and it'd be dope. And she was like, you know what? And I said, you and I have similar audiences. So I know your audience would love this interview. And she was like, bet. I made it hard for her to say no. And she said yes. And that interview is still one of the favorite podcasts that I've done. And people still tweet both her and I to say like, yo, I love this interview between both of you. So that's what it comes down to. Make it hard for people to say no to you. And yeah, and just make it simple. Make it easy. Sometimes I want to say yes to people, but honestly, they make it so freaking hard. Yes. I don't need, I'm busy already. Like I don't need a list of instructions on how to support you for absolutely free. Like, yes. like you can't ask 19 things. It's like, what would serve you the most? What would help you the most, but be as easy as possible for me? It comes down to, again, making it easier. So for example, when my book was coming out, I was like, okay, I'm going to need my friends with, who have platforms who actually like this book to help me promote it. So what I did was I sent them a one pager with suggested tweets that they can edit themselves. So even if you don't feel like thinking about it, you can literally just copy and paste. And a lot of people did that. But some people were like, you know what? I'm going to edit it and make it my own. You make it easy. When you invited me to be on this podcast, you had a clean instruction. Okay, we can do it these dates. Bet. Great. Here's something for me to react to. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Earn More Money movement is all about really helping move women to this place. Like these are some of the principles that we talk about. So I'm glad that you are proof that you can make progress without just being a taker. Like it's so you have to be bold enough to make the ask. But when you do make the ask, do it appropriately, like build relationship first, show interest. Yeah. I love when people send me a message like, I'd love to work with you. What do you do? Well, why do you? Well, wait a minute. (laughs) 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 You love to work with me. Why? You're asking me why you could Google? That's a waste of my time. Like, come on. So I love it. Well, I know that your time is valuable and I want to honor what I told you. So the last part of the podcast is where we do some redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. So I'm going to ask you four questions. And just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. 
All right. The first one is how do you define success? I define success as living life on your own terms. Mm-hmm. I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Wealth. Ooh. Money. Stability. The third one, I'd probably say like ownership. Hmm. Yes. Money, stability, and ownership. I like that. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I'm going to say Shonda Rhimes, Year of Yes. Oh, that's a good one. The wealth of like challenging yourself and growing. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And that's actually in our list for the Earn More Money movement. So ding, ding, ding. Look how the, yes, how the spirit led right there. Okay. And then this last one, you're going to fill in the blank. So you say, my name is your full name. And for me, the truth about wealth is whatever that is. My name is Lavia Jai. And for me, the truth about wealth is it needs to be passed down and passed on. Mm Mm-hmm. Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, Lovey, I am so appreciative of you being on the podcast, for you being a champion of just teaching women that they deserve more. Thank you so much for your example every day. I don't say that to gas you up or anything. When I see you on these different stages, different platforms, whatever you're doing, it makes me so happy because you did We Can. Because you're doing it, that's an example for the rest of us. And I appreciate you being the example. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and for also passing on your wealth of information constantly to women. I am a huge fan of women who empower other women. So you're super dope. Thank you. I appreciate you. Indeed. Didn't I tell you that would be good? Oh my gosh. I loved, loved, loved Lovey. Like I just do. I think that she is just so genuine, so authentic to who she is, so unapologetic. And that's really my wish and my prayer for all of us, that we can stand in that power of just being comfortable with who we are, getting comfortable with who we are instead of trying to look to or become what we see out there, just stand in who you are. And I know this was earlier in the episode, but I really do want to just draw attention to the fact that when she started writing, she was just writing. She was just doing what felt good for her. And I think now that we talk so much about monetizing your platform and see influencers and micro influencers getting all these opportunities, it becomes another form of just chasing the money. We're only doing it because we see other people doing it and it's like, oh, I'm going to do it to get that. But once money becomes the end all be all, and I know that this is the earn more money movement and I want us to rock our gifts and own our brilliance. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if the only reason you're doing something is for the money, it's not going to be sustainable. It, It just it's just not. I really believe that in my heart of hearts and you can tell me I'm wrong and I can accept it and we can agree to disagree. But the reason that I talk about chasing purpose and not money is Lovey is a prime example of someone who stands on purpose first. And that's why she's been able to attract 50 speaking engagements in a year or all of the press, all of the media, because she was authentic to who she really is. And that comes from just owning and embracing your gifts. So 
I know that you're going to hear all the cool things and you, if you already weren't familiar with Lovey, you are going to start to follow her on social media as you should and all of that stuff. But don't look at that and not focus in on the fact that she's just being authentic to who she is. That's so key. It's so key to not just get caught up in the money. Remember the speaking engagements and the money and everything else that's come, that's the byproduct of her showing up, being herself and doing the work. And I'm sure creating really great relationships as we talk about. So shout out to Lovey. Thank you so much, Lovey. Make sure you check out Rants and Randomness. I'm going to link to the podcast. She is doing phenomenally well over there as well as to her TED Talk, to the book, I'm Judging You. Check out all things Awesomely Lovey because she's awesome. And if you are new to this world and you want to join the Earn More Money movement where I am sharing every day, a principle, there's 20 in total that are going to help you use your God-given gifts to earn more and do your part to close the wage gap. Because just as Lovey took a stand because there are people coming behind her that needed her to take the stand that she did when she spoke up about the conference that wasn't paying black women fairly, like we all need to do our parts. It doesn't matter who you are. Again, from the intern to the VP, we all need to do our parts. And so when you do your part to stand in your truth and to earn more, rock your gifts and go earn more, then you're helping out another woman who's coming up behind you. You have to know that. So it's your duty. It's your responsibility to not dim your light, but to really shine and rock your brilliance. So join us. I will earn more.com. Take the pledge and join us all throughout social media. You can find me at Seek Wisdom PCW. And let's do this thing. Ladies, it's our time. It's our time. We got to keep taking a stand. Who are we not to? Right? Who are we not to? So until next time, next week, I'll be interviewing the fabulous Mickey Taylor veteran, 30-year veteran from Essence Magazine. She is absolutely incredible. And she's going to talk to us more about what we need to do, how we need to show up so that we can get this money. Until next time, you guys, I'm here to help you live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.